Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's episode 53 of Law for Law Enforcement Officers. This is a podcast about what you need to know as a law enforcement officer in the Commonwealth of Virginia, whether you're police, sheriff, fire marshal. If you're working in Virginia, what are the statutes? What are the cases? What are the new developments in law that you need to know in order to better serve and strengthen your community here in the Commonwealth of Virginia? And this week, we're going to talk about a new case from the U.S. Supreme Court called Lang versus California. And it's all about misdemeanor hot pursuit entries into homes. This is a really interesting case, and I think a lot of people read it and were sort of confused by it. Uh, I will tell you, just right at the bounce, it's kind of a spoiler alert. I don't think this really changes the rules in Virginia at all. Uh, this is... You know, sometimes the Supreme Court surprises me and I have to change everything I teach. Um, this is pretty much exactly, this case comes out exactly the way that we've been teaching uh, here in Virginia for about 15 years. But it's still important to know this case, the rule, and uh, it's a good chance for us to kind of talk about hot pursuit into homes in the case of arrests. It's always a good topic. Uh, and here the court could have made it very clear, but they don't make it clear. Uh, but I think that's good. I think I think ultimately for law enforcement, it's good. So what is this case all about and uh, what's going on here? Well, to give you the facts of this case and how it reaches the U.S. Supreme Court, it starts in California with a guy driving down the street drunk. Now he's intoxicated and he draws police attention by playing his music really loud, repeatedly honking his horn. And a police officer sees this. He gets behind the vehicle. He signals for the vehicle to stop. The vehicle doesn't stop. It continues uh, not very far. It was already about a you know, quarter mile or so from the guy's home. So the suspect drives up his driveway and drives into his garage. He parks in his garage. At that point, then, the officer follows the defendant into the garage where he does field sobriety tests and ultimately arrests him for DUI. So, you know, a couple things to observe about this, right? The officer doesn't necessarily know that it's a DUI, doesn't have probable cause of DUI at the time that he's following the defendant. The defendant is honking his horn really loud. He's playing his music really loud. Um, so he has maybe reasonable suspicion of DUI, but not probable cause. But the defendant certainly has committed some traffic violations. And then the defendant drives up his driveway and parks in his garage. So now the defendant is inside of his home, right? Uh, is the garage the curtilage? Is the garage the home itself? Well, we could debate about that. But the bottom line is whether I'm in the curtilage or whether I'm in the home itself, I'm in my home, right? I get the Fourth Amendment protections of the home. And in general, the only three ways into somebody's home, or the only way three, is in, three ways into somebody's curtilage, if it's the private curtilage, is uh, consent exigent circumstances, or a warrant of some kind, right? Uh, the officer probably could have walked up the driveway. The driveway is probably an area that is open to the public, has an implied invitation. So if the suspect in this case had parked in his driveway, we wouldn't have this case in the U.S. Supreme Court. It would sort of fall on that implied consent area of uh, an area open to the public. But he drives into his garage. So now we're in his home. And so we got to figure out, is this a justified entry into the home? Right. So it goes to the California courts and the California Court of Appeals says, well, it's hot pursuit. Uh, and so you can't defeat an arrest or an officer's attempt to arrest you for an offense, whether it's a traffic violation, misdemeanor or felony, doesn't matter. You can't defeat an officer's arrest uh, by trying to escape and retreat into your home. And so the court finds in California that this entry was lawful, period. End of story. No, just that's it. It's lawful. 
and the defendant appeals to the U.S. Supreme Court. So before I talk about the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling in this case, let's stop for a second and go back and talk about the history of this idea of hot pursuit as an exception to the warrant requirement that allows law enforcement to enter into somebody's home uh, if they are trying to, or if they're in the middle of arresting that person or trying to arrest that person. Where does this come from? Because like I said, you know, you've, if you've heard me teach before, uh, or if you've been to any really good Fourth Amendment class, right, they'll tell you uh, right off the bat, you, the only three ways into a house, as we said, are consent, exigent circumstances, or a warrant of some kind. Now, I didn't mention hot pursuit there. So where does hot pursuit fall into that? Well, in general, we look at hot pursuit as a subcategory or a type of exigent circumstance. And we do that because we look back to this case that first introduced this idea, and it's the case, it's a case called Warden versus Hayden. It's a 1967 case from the U.S. Supreme Court. And this is the very beginning, right? This is right when we're, you know, dealing with motions to suppress as a new thing, and, you know, Terry versus Ohio is, you know, is just sort of coming into being. And so this is a very early stage of uh, modern Fourth Amendment law. But Warden versus Hayden gives us a pretty familiar situation. Police respond to a call for an armed robbery that's just occurred. And within five minutes, right, they get they figure out who the person is who committed the armed robbery. It was uh, committed by a person who had a firearm. Um, so they rush to um, they 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 rush to the scene and track the defendant to his house within about five minutes of the robbery taking place. They get at the house, bunch of patrol cars, they get there, uh, they knock on the door. In this case, they don't force entry. The um, Mrs. Hayden, the suspect's wife, answers the door and they say, hey, let us in. They go into the house um, and they find the bad guy. So here, they're not getting consent from her. They're saying, let us in, right? They don't force entry, but they they don't give her the choice of entering, right? <clears throat> so the question in this case is, is that entry lawful? And in this case, the court says, uh, yes, the court, the entry by the officers is lawful in this case, um, because here the office, the doesn't, the Fourth Amendment doesn't require officers to delay in the course of investigation if it would gravely endanger their lives or lives of others. And in this case, speed was essential, and it was only through a th thorough search of the house could they make sure that Hayden was the only person there and that police had control of the weapons. Um, so this is the first time that we get this idea that police in hot pursuit of a crime just occurred could enter into a home. And so again, it falls into that category of exigent circumstances. Now, Warden versus Hayden then uh, takes us up to the case of United States versus Santana, which happens about 10 years later. And United States versus Santana is a drug case. It is a case where officers are investigating a drug, uh, drug transaction. They figure out who the drug dealer is. They get probable cause to arrest the drug dealer. They go to the drug dealer's house, and it's Mrs. Santana. When they get to Mrs. Santana's house, they get out of the, they get out of the car. Um, they say, police. And as soon as they do, Mrs. Santana, who's standing at the doorway of her house, she's outside of the house she's just outside and she's holding a bag that appears to be the money of the transaction that just took place um, she's standing right there at the doorway of her house just outside of her house they say police and she runs inside the house 
They then chase after her, they arrest her, and they get her and a bunch of evidence. And in that case as well, the court says that the entry by the police was lawful. Um, in that case, it didn't violate the Fourth Amendment because it was justified by an exigent circumstance. And here you have this phrase, hot pursuit. The arresting officer had hotly pursued the defendant into her home after spotting her in a public place. And so they said that because her doorway was a public place, um, it was a space where she didn't have a reasonable expectation of privacy. And so uh, the officers were, entitled, were, were, were permitted to uh, chase her into that house where she had been in public, uh, into the inside of her house, which was obviously private, and arrest her there in that case. So a couple things to observe before we go on and go back to the Lang versus California case, which is a brand new case from the U.S. Supreme Court. A couple things to observe about this doctrine. The first thing is that <clears throat> in all these cases, somebody had been out in public and then the police had chased them down from being in public to being inside of their home. Already, right, you can see that there is a limitation built in here, right? That you, ha you, you have to be pursuing somebody from public into a private place. And, uh, for example, in Jefferson versus Commonwealth, police pursued a defendant from his back porch where he was in private, and then they chase him from his back porch into his house. And there the court said, well, that's not hot pursuit because Jefferson was already in a private place. He was in his backyard, and you can't pursue somebody from their private, from their curtilage, basically, into their house and rely on that exigent circumstance, that hot pursuit there, um, because uh, that person hasn't exposed himself into, to the public first. So, um, and, there, and also in U.S. versus McCraw, officers go to the house to arrest the defendant. So it's similar to, you know, Santana, they have probable cause to arrest him. They knock on the door. The defendant comes to the door, exposing himself to the public view, and then when they try to make the arrest, he goes to slam the door again. There, they make the argument, well, see, just like in Santana, he exposed himself to the public. And the response of the Fourth Circuit in that case is, well, no, 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 he exposed himself to the public because you made him do that. He was in private. He was in his house. You were supposed to get in a warrant for him. You decided, oh, well, no, what I'm going to do is knock on his door, make him come to the door, and then once he's exposed himself to the public, say, aha, I'm in hot pursuit and chase after you. It doesn't work like that, right? Um, in that case, there was no other exigent circumstance. There was nothing that indicated that he was going to destroy evidence or something like that that would uh, justify you entering into the house. You're just trying to rely, rely on plain old hot pursuit and claim, oh, because he was in public and now he's retreating back into his home, I can chase after him, and that doesn't work, right? So we can see here that hot pursuit remains sort of a subcategory of exigent circumstances. In Warden versus Hayden, I have somebody who just committed a robbery minutes before, and I'm chasing after him. And, you know, he doesn't know I'm, doesn't necessarily know, it's not a hot pursuit where I'm right on his heels, but I'm five minutes behind him. And so when he gets to his house, I'm lawfully permitted to enter the house without a warrant. It's a type of exigent circumstance because he just committed this robbery. Or in U.S. versus Santana, uh, somebody just engaged in a drug transaction. She's holding this paper bag. She's standing on her front porch. She, I see her. I say police. She runs inside the house. I chase after her. That entry into that home is lawful, right? So we're getting those sort of limitations on the, on the, on the cases. But all of the hot pursuit cases that come out of the U.S. Supreme Court then are felony cases, robbery, uh, drug distribution, cocaine distribution. 
The question then comes up in the 1980s, 10 years again later, 10 years after Santana, in a case called Welsh versus Wisconsin, if police can chase somebody into a home on a very minor offense. And in Welsh versus Wisconsin, police, uh, very similar to uh, Lang versus California, uh, are trying to track down somebody who was engaged in a uh, a DUI. This was a, a crash where Welsh had driven his car off the road. He crashed. He left the scene. They think he was drunk. They get developed. They get evidence that he was drunk. They go to his home, and without a warrant and without consent, they enter into his home to investigate and arrest him for his DUI. So again, very similar to Lang versus California, right? It's important to stop here and note that in the 1980s in well in Wisconsin, DUI was not a criminal offense. It was a civil offense. And in Virginia, we don't we didn't really have civil offenses until last year with marijuana and now with marijuana we have all these civil offenses, right? So all these marijuana related offenses are civil offenses. Um, in Wisconsin, DUI was a civil offense at the time. So they were entering his home without a warrant. Uh, on a civil offense, and again, basically arguing, well, hot pursuit, right? He's just committed this offense, we're entering into his home. And the U.S. Supreme Court says, no, that is not sufficient for a warrantless entry. Um, here, it wasn't, he, he wasn't immediate, first of all, the court thinks it's interesting that they weren't immediately following after him. In other words, he wasn't literally running on foot, they weren't literally chasing him. They were coming a few minutes afterwards. Um, but here, they, they indicated that, you know, in a case involving a minor offense, and especially a civil offense, uh, a warrant should usually be required. However, in Welsh, they don't come out with a categorical rule that says in all cases involving minor offenses, you need to get a warrant. But they also don't come out with a categorical rule that says all, in, in cases involving minor offenses, you don't need to get a warrant. They just said in this case, uh, it wasn't like they were right on his heels, they were a few minutes behind, and the case wasn't serious enough to justify a warrantless entry, especially since it was a civil offense. So what that means then is that we have, you know, Warden versus Hayden, Santana, and then Welsh. We still don't have a clear rule about what happens in cases involving misdemeanors. And this sort of becomes an issue around the United States. I mean, I think everybody can pretty much cl clearly say you could follow somebody on, in hot pursuit. You could make an entry warrantless on a felony offense because that is an exigent circumstance. If you have somebody who's just committed a felony offense or who's running from you on a felony offense, you can make an entry that's a kind of exigent circumstance into their home without a warrant. And the courts around the United States, federal courts, state courts, all tend to sort of settle on that idea. But what remains an open question uh, until Lang versus California is, what about misdemeanor offenses? Uh, you know, Welsh says civil offenses, you know, generally no. Uh, Santana and Warden say felony offenses, yeah. But what about misdemeanors? And um, in 2013, we have this really interesting case called Stanton versus Sims. If you've been to one of my use of force classes, you've heard me talk about this case. It's a case where officers respond to a call for a fight. And when they respond to the call, when they get there, everybody disperses in all directions. Officers chase after one of the people who's running from them. And that person runs into the curtilage of a home. It's a fence. You can't see past the fence. The person runs inside, slams the door of the fence behind him. 
So now the person's in the curtilage, which would be a private area, right? That's the home. It's protected like a home. And the only three ways into a home are consent, a warrant of some kind, or exigent circumstances. And they say, well, we're responding to this call for a fight, and we're in hot pursuit of somebody who's fleeing for us. So they burst into the fence. They knock the fence door open, and it smacks the owner, the homeowner, in the face. And the homeowner sues the law enforcement officers and says... That was an unlawful entry into my cartilage, and I got injured, and I want to have damages paid to me. The case goes all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court says, you know, it's really interesting since uh, we've had these cases, Warden versus Hayden, Santana, well, uh, Welsh versus Wisconsin. There's this big debate nationally about whether or not you can make a misdemeanor hot pursuit entry into someone's home or indeed the cartilage of their home. And the courts are all split. And we, the Supreme Court, have never answered this question. The courts, some courts say yes, some courts say no, some courts say maybe, sometimes. But Stanton versus Sims isn't a criminal case. Stanton versus Sims is a civil case. It's a civil case. It's a lawsuit under 42 U.S.C. 1983, the Federal Civil Rights Code section. And in any lawsuit under 1983, the first hurdle that anyone who's suing has to get over is qualified immunity. They have to demonstrate that the right that they're suing for is clearly established. And the U.S. Supreme Court stops right there and says, well, we've never answered this question before. So because we've never answered this question before, the answer isn't clearly established. And if there isn't a clearly established rule, we can't hold some, you know, 23-year-old police officer working midnights responsible for knowing what the rule is if we don't know what the rule is. So uh, they, they dismiss the case. Thus, leaving unanswered the question as of 2013, uh, what do you do in cases of misdemeanor hot pursuit? Is, is, it, is it permissible to enter? Is it not permissible to enter in cases involving misdemeanor hot pursuit? And that brings us then back to Lang versus California, the case that comes out from the U.S. Supreme Court on June 23rd of this year of 2021. And so the question in this case that the court sets out to answer is whether the pursuit of a fleeing misdemeanor suspect always, or in, in all cases, qualifies as an exigent circumstance. And in this case, the court holds that it does not. But immediately then says, a great many misdemeanor pursuits involve exigencies that do allow for warrantless entry. But ultimately, whether a in entry uh, for, a, for a fleeing misdemeanor misdemeanor justifies a warrantless entry is going to depend upon the facts of the case. And that's going to be basically the answer we'll get from the U.S. Supreme Court uh, in this case that was handed down um, in June. So the, remember the California court had said, okay, in all cases of misdemeanors, traffic offenses, whatever, you can't just run away from the police. You can't just escape the police by running into your house and closing the door. Uh, they say, no, if police are in pursuit of you, they can follow you, whether it's a misdemeanor, traffic offense, or whatever. But here, the U.S. Supreme Court, and this is unanimous, 9-0, to zero, they reverse the ruling of the California court and say, no, 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 it's not a categorical rule. It doesn't apply just across the board in all cases. Instead, in each case, the court has to look to the individual facts and determine whether or not the, hot, the, the, the warrantless entry was justified. Now, I should tell you right off the bat that there's something really important about that, uh, about this finding. When this case was argued before the U.S. Supreme Court, the defendant's attorney uh, was arguing their case, and the judge judges said, "Well, it seems to me that <clears throat> you know, in almost in lot in in many many misdemeanor cases, it's going to be a justified entry. There's going to be exigent circumstances that permit law enforcement officers 
to enter into a home uh, to preserve evidence or to protect the public or whatever, right? I mean, going back to Stanton versus Sims, right? There's this fight. These people, you know, this guy's been attacking somebody. I'm chasing after the person. He's just attacked someone. Uh, he's still a threat. He could still escape. I'm chasing after him. He runs into this house. I don't know if it's his house or not. He could run out the back door and keep going, hurt somebody else. Right. Wouldn't that be an exigent circumstance? Uh, if it is a DUI, right? I'm investigating a DUI. The person's driving drunk. They uh, walk, get out of their car. They start walking to the house. You know, they're going to potentially destroy evidence. All they have to do is take a swig of alcohol, and now my ability to get their blood has been destroyed, right? If it's a crash, uh, it's a much more serious case. Maybe that's an exigent circumstance. And ultimately, the defendant's attorney says, you know, yeah, nine times out of ten, uh, it is going. Uh, there is going to be a justifiable warrantless entry into someone's home, even in cases of misdemeanors. And the court thinks that's really significant, and you'll see that show up in a lot of the concurring opinions. Um, so, but again, the ruling here from the court, and again, this is a unanimous ruling, is that the flight of a, sus a suspected misdemeanor doesn't always justify a warrantless entry into a home. Instead, an officer has to consider all the circumstances in a pursuit case to determine whether or not there's a law enforcement emergency that requires them to enter without a warrant. Now, yes, there are definitely going to be good reasons to enter a home in hot pursuit. Uh, imminent threats of violence, destruction of evidence, or the person's escape out the back door. But the court writes here, when the officer has time to get a warrant, he must do so, even though the person is fleeing from your, you know, whatever your attempt to arrest them. So, you know, again, imagine a situation where you have a misdemeanor eluding. Somebody's just not stopping for you. And you get some other backup. You get maybe, you know, three or four officers to respond. They uh, go upstairs. They lock themselves in their apartment. You chase them up. You don't get there in time. They lock the door. There's no back door to the apartment. Or if there is, an officer can cover it. Um, it's frustrating. Uh, it's certainly irritating that they went in and locked the door. But is there some danger here that they're going to destroy evidence? Um, is there some danger to the public? Is there some threat that they're going to escape? Well, not really in that case. It's just a traffic offense, and there's no evidence to destroy, and you've got the back door covered. So, um, you know, it's irritating, but you're going to have to get a warrant. So here, it's interesting, you know, nine judges, all nine, it's a nine to zero opinion. We've had a lot of nine to zero opinions this year in, in search and seizure issues. You don't get any dissents, but you've got a lot of concurring opinions where judges want to be heard about some points about some things that they think are important to point out. And essentially, the disagreement, if there is a disagreement among the judges who write the main opinion and the ones who write concurring opinions is, is there a situation where flight alone, just someone running away from you, could justify your warrantless entry into the home? So Justice Kavanaugh here, he writes a concurrence, and he says, you know, if you've got somebody running away from you, it's almost always going to end up being an exigent circumstance. That is to say, it's almost always going to be a case where you've got a risk of, of escape, of destruction of evidence, or harm to somebody else, that that's going to justify a warrantless entry into the home. So he says, and he quotes again the defendant's attorney here, nine times out of ten, a warrantless entry into the home is going to be justified in, in cases of pursuing a fleeing misdemeanant. And Justice Kavanaugh also repeats here, under Santana, pursuing fleeing felons is always an exigent circumstance that justifies a warrantless entry into the home. Now, I'm not saying if you're chasing after a felon, you shouldn't maybe stop and get a warrant because a warrant is presumed reasonable. Entries under a warrant are presumed to be reasonable, whereas entries without a warrant are presumed to be unreasonable. But 
uh, here, Justice Kavanaugh says, look, the rule is very clear at this point. Uh, under Santana for felonies, it is always justified in hot pursuit. So you can make a warrantless entry into the home of a fleeing felon regardless of whether or not there are other exigent circumstances present. Now, Justice Thomas, he writes a concurrence. And Justice Thomas is interesting. He also says... Um, you know, even though officers can't chase a fleeing felon into the home simply because that person is suspected of committing a misdemeanor, his perspective is, and he makes the argument, we shouldn't be necessarily, though, suppressing evidence because officers go inside the house and arrest a fleeing misdemeanor. Justice Thomas believes that the exclusionary rule really is being overused here. And it, and just because police may violate the terms of the Fourth Amendment doesn't necessarily entitle a criminal defendant to exclusion of evidence. And that's an interesting argument. That's something that's uh, been mentioned a lot in Virginia cases recently. Uh, it was it was mentioned by the, US, by the Virginia Supreme Court in a case called Merid versus Commonwealth Justice Week, where they said, you know, if officers are, uh, if these are borderline cases, they shouldn't be, we shouldn't be suppressing evidence. Uh, we should instead be only suppressing evidence in cases of flagrant misconduct or obvious violations of rules. And I thought that was interesting that, um, you know, both of those, uh, both Justice Thomas and the Virginia Supreme Court said the same thing this week. Justice Roberts also writes a concurrence, and he criticizes the court's distinction between felonies and misdemeanors, indicating, you know, how this, you know, how it's, it's really difficult to apply, and it's kind of ridiculous, right? I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, in Virginia, up until this month, uh, a third offense petty larceny was a felony, whereas second offense petty larceny was a misdemeanor. Well, what makes those different, right? Why is it that a, a, a pursuit on a third offense larceny would be law, would lawfully permit the officer to enter into the home without a warrant, but a hot pursuit on a second offense misdemeanor larceny would not permit an officer to enter a home without a warrant? Uh, and of course, now that doesn't an issue anymore because the General Assembly has eliminated that distinction. But, you know, it highlights, um, you know, again, let's say felony destruction of property versus misdemeanor destruction of property. You know, it's a different, it's a dollar amount difference. Why is it that, you know, one is categorically permits an officer to enter a home without a warrant and one doesn't? Um, and he also points out, again, you know, nine times out of 10, even according to the defendant's attorney, warrantless entry in pursuit of misdemeanors is going to be reasonable. And really interestingly also, I think, Justice Roberts also says, you know, under common law, this idea of exclusion of evidence didn't exist. And he thinks it's really interesting that the U.S. Supreme Court, especially in the last 20 years or so, has spent a lot of time going back and and saying, okay, well, under common law, what was the rule? So we talked about you know, for example, uh, the law of arrest, they would go back and study common law rules about arrest. Or when we just debate about curtilages and entry into curtilage and so on, we go back and study the common law about the understandings of property rights and where does a curtilage end and what can law enforcement do and can they enter in the daytime or nighttime or whatever. But during all that, all those discussions, there's never any discussion about, well, okay, yeah, but under common law, was there any right to suppress evidence that law enforcement found? And there wasn't. There wasn't such a right. Uh, there was a, a civil right. You could bring a lawsuit against the police, but there wasn't a right to have evidence excluded. And Justice Roberts says, you know, it's we should be careful about going back and applying these common law concepts when we have this very modern idea of evidence exclusion. So what's the bottom line, right? The bottom line here is what the court said. Um, hot pursuit in a misdemeanor case 
may authorize a warrantless entry, but it doesn't automatically authorize a warrantless entry the way that a felony hot pursuit does. And so it's going to depend on the facts of the case. It's going to depend upon whether or not that there is some danger of harm of violence, destruction of evidence, or escape from the home. In other words, do you have an exigent circumstance, right? And as always, the rule then is the only three ways into a home are consent, a warrant, or exigent circumstance. And if I've got a hot pursuit of a misdemeanor, if I've got an exigent circumstance of a harm of violence or a destruction of evidence or an escape from the home by the, by the suspect, then I've got an exigent circumstance. And so the rule in Virginia really hasn't changed. I will say, however, that one thing that has changed in Virginia uh, as of July 1 is that we have a lot more of these civil offenses like Welsh versus Wisconsin, a lot of these marijuana offenses, smoking marijuana in public, possession of marijuana. Um, growing more than four marijuana plants, but less than 10 marijuana plants in your residence. Uh, you know, all these different civil offenses, uh, possession of marijuana under 21, all of these civil offenses in Virginia. And uh, people, uh, as they do in all other cases, are going to try to flee from law enforcement. And people will run into the of their homes and try to get inside their homes. And law enforcement may pursue. And with marijuana cases, of course, you may say, well, I'm facing the prospect of destruction of evidence. Somebody is running inside. They're going to destroy the evidence of the marijuana. And I would caution you here that to go back to that Welsh versus Wisconsin case from the 1980s, where the court really said a civil DUI offense, uh, even though there was obviously some danger of destruction of evidence, wasn't serious enough to allow for a warrantless entry. And when you're dealing with the question of exigent circumstances, one of the most important questions is the seriousness of the offense. Now, a DUI is very serious. An assault and battery is very serious in Virginia. Stalking offenses are very serious in Virginia. But the General Assembly has decided that marijuana cases are some of the least serious cases in Virginia. They're like traffic offenses, right? They're just very, 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 very not serious. And so if you're going to say, well, I have a concern for destruction of evidence, you're trying to make the argument for exigent circumstances, and you have to balance that against the seriousness of the offense, which is very low. And so I caution you before you make a warrantless entry in a marijuana case uh, you know, you you may be you may that entry may be looked upon uh, very unfavorably by a court. So that is the case of Lang versus California, a brand new case from the U.S. Supreme Court on uh, entries into homes. I hope today was interesting for you. Uh, like I said, if you like the podcast, tell your friends. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher Podcasts, which is an app. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. If you have another app you like, let me know, and I'll put it on that app as well. Uh, but other than that, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Stay safe and don't get captured.